Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Well, hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being here. No, thanks for having me. This is fun. Exciting. Yes. So you are a military child. Tell me a little bit about what that was like growing up, um, which parents served, things like that. Just an overview. So it's a whole thing, right? So um, my dad served for 30 years in the Air Force. Um, He retired in 1995, just short of me turning 19 years old. Um, And I loved I loved growing up in the military like I wouldn't have had it any other way. It was the best for me. Um, I loved moving around. I loved, you know, and we were lucky. We were sort of like that typical military family that moved every two, three, four years. So um, we got to live in Illinois a couple of times. We lived in England once. We lived in Okinawa, Japan a couple of times. He ended up retiring in Arizona. Um, And that was really difficult transition for me. Um, and then now I'm moved to Chicago, but um, it was, no, it was great. Like we got to do a lot of things, experience a lot of things, learn a lot of things. And I think those are all a lot of that. I think I try to carry into my adult life. So it was, it was the best. Yeah. So you mentioned you moved quite a few times. Do you have like a specific place uh, that you lived? You mentioned like England, Okinawa, those are like, you know, overseas places. Mm -hmm. Did you prefer like the overseas life rather than like living in America or what was that kind of situation like for you? No, I I think I definitely preferred the overseas life. And um, it's funny because, so like I said, he retired just shy of me turning 19. So we came here and I um, was starting college when we moved to Arizona and my original goal was to move back to Okinawa, Japan, and um, either working with, you know, the Department of Defense or MWR or USO or something, like APHIS, something. Um, But that was my original plan and goal. But then I met my husband, so (laughs) I ended up moving (laughs) here. (laughs) But um, no, so, but I think I I loved living overseas. And um, like, I'm trying, it's, I try to convince my husband even now still to move to Okinawa <laughs> with our two kids. Um, but no, I think living overseas and, you know, there's just such a big difference. And and it's so nice, though, when you're living within that military community, you're part of the U.S. military living overseas because you still have. I mean, there's that like, you know, a bit of a culture shock living overseas in an international country, but you still have a more Americanized, I guess, Westernized, um, you know, surroundings too with the U.S. military. So you kind of get a little bit of both. But I feel like when you're living overseas, you're opened up to, you know, this new culture, this new language, food, traditions, and there's just so much to learn. And then it gains, I think you gain a better respect for that and you become, it allows you to become more open-minded. And so I think um, living overseas is definitely something that I really prefer. Plus too, like as a kid, you in moving around, everybody's new when you go to the, cause I went to a Dodd school um, when we did leave, live overseas, but then in the States it was public schools. So I think um, you're, it's very familiar for kids. So it's the transitions I think are a little bit easier because at some point everybody has been new. 
in the schools. And, you know, when you're the communities you live in, if you're around other U.S. military kids, like everybody's sort of gone through those same things that you're going through. So everybody understands it and it's like they get it. So I think it helps with the transitions as well. Yeah, it's definitely hard, uh, you know, moving around, you know, having mom or dad gone for a, a period of time. Um, and those things public kids just don't understand. Mm-hmm. I went to a public school. My dad was Army Reserve. So we kind of lived away from a base. Close base was like four hours away. So, you know, I went to a public school. And when my dad deployed, it was, I was nine years old and I was struggling. That was the hardest thing for me. And everyone around me didn't really understand mm-hmm. because nobody knew the military life. Uh, but then, you know, going to a base school uh, in Texas, everyone's like, no, 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 we understand. Like, you know. Yeah, uh, they get it. Yeah. And the moving in and out and, uh, you know, friends coming and going, you know, maybe your best friends there and then you know this person for two months and then you're like okay well now I'm moving (laughs) or you Mm -hmm. know they're moving or something uh there's always a constant change yeah and that can be good and it can be bad and you know together but um I think it definitely allowed me or it helped me to be able to deal with the changes Mm -hmm. um and I remember I was it's funny because I was cleaning up in our basement and my mom sent me some old boxes and from when I was a kid and uh, cause they had moved and I was, I found some old letters from like my best friends from England. Oh, yeah. And, um, and it was, it's just funny cause it was like fifth and sixth grade. So it was <laughs> like my best friend in fourth and fifth grade ended up getting stationed to Italy. And so then I made a new best friend in sixth grade, but, um, the fourth, fifth grade when she would write me from Italy and, um, I was just like, oh, I, you know, I wish I could like find her. It'd be fun to like find them now and see what they're up to. And, and I'll be honest, I did like look on social media, but I think her name is a little more common than I thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not sure I'd even remember what she looked like right now, but it was just fun. And I remember like thinking back, like it, yeah, it kind of sucked, but at the same time, like I said, everybody sort of like got it and they were going through the same thing. And um, and then, yeah, and then we went to Scott Air Force Base and I was, uh, I always think of things of how old I was, what grade I was. So I was um, seventh, eighth and ninth and 10th grade at Scott Air Force Base. And we went to an American public school, but the base was, you know, all the base kids went there. So right. there still was a lot of, you know, it was a little bit of an easier transition because we lived on base. And then, um, you know, there were a lot of the military kids in that school, but that one, I felt like we stayed a, a year too long because we were there for four years um, instead of two or three. So by that last year, I was kind of like, I'm ready to go. So yeah. I was like ready for that change. But um, no, it, was, it there's definitely a difference. And yeah, and then the friends thing. And that's one thing with Okinawa, too. I loved Okinawa so much. And um, I had my friends come and go. And especially since I graduated high school over there, a lot of the friends left after graduation to go to college in the States or, you know, their parents PCS back to the States. And um, but I still the island itself, I love so much. And I knew that I could just, you know, you're making new groups of friends. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to stay there. And that transition was hard. Um, but yeah, it was just. <laughs> yeah. Would you say Okinawa was your favorite place to live then? 
Oh yeah, by far. Plus I, my family was there. So yeah. my mother's, my, all of my mother's family um, was in Okinawa with the exception. I had a, I have an aunt in, on the main island of Japan, but um, no, it was not, I was born there. So it was actually our second time being there, but um, I don't remember the first time because right. we left when I was almost four, but um, you know, and it took a little while. It took me, you know, a few months to get settled in to just kind of get the lay of the land a little bit. But then, you know, every week we visited my grandparents and we celebrated some of the Japanese holidays. We invited them to our house for, you know, American holidays. And, you know, they had, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And so they came to our house and we always had that, you know, American, traditional American food, the turkey, the cranberry stuffing. But then my mom always made Japanese food as well. So that, you know, it was always together, but no, I think Okinawa by far is my favorite place. I loved England too. Yeah. And I do remember, I was old enough to remember that. And, um, I mean, we actually went to England as part of our honeymoon and, um, we're hoping to go back one day with the kids, but no, I think Okinawa is, it's the Island. I mean, who doesn't love an Island life, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that's the one thing that's really uh, awesome about the military and growing up military. I didn't have, uh, I mean, like I said, my dad was reserved, so we didn't move around often. And he had a seven year break in service for most of my childhood. So we did not move around. Um, And then, I mean, he was injured in Afghanistan. So like he ended up retiring. So I really did not have the opportunity to move around much, but uh, the places that I did move, the two moves that I had, um, you know, they the culture just within different uh, parts of the United States is Mm -hmm. incredible. Um, And being able to just, you know, we did so many trips that we wouldn't have been able to do if it was, if it wasn't for the military. Um, And, you know, just things like that and exploring is just so much fun and you don't get that opportunity living the civilian life. No, absolutely. And I think that's why a lot of people do stay in the military for so long. They make that career out of it. You know, we, um, there were five kids in my family. So that's, you know, financially, that's a huge burden. And my dad loved being in the Air Force. And um, I mean, so much so that after he, he sort of, I make fun, he retired twice. He retired from the Air Force after 30 years. But then you know, I think a few years after he retired, the job that he did in the Air Force, or at least one of them, became a civilian job, and he started doing that. So then he retired from that. So like I said, yeah. he retired twice, essentially, from the same job. But um, And that's something like with your podcast that I found interesting was that, because I think we always think of the military brat experience as, yes, your military family is PCSing, you're moving every you know, year, two years, three years, four years. And I think that's what we kind of think of when we think of that quintessential military family. And I feel like um, listening to your podcast, I realized, oh, there's, yeah, like you think that, but there's actually the military child is a, you know, military families, they're different. Yes, some are reserved. Some are, um, you know, I have a friend whose husband, he was deployed to the Middle East a few times. And so, he, you know, and when they're deployed in the army, they're deployed for a long time. Yeah. You know, um, and then I was talking to my sister and I was like, you know, I never thought of it. But my nephew, I'm like, he's he's technically a military child. His father, um, God rest his soul, he passed away, but he um, he was in the Army National Guard, but then got deployed to um, I think it was Afghanistan. 
Um, and then he passed away shortly after returning, but he was gone for 14 months. But because it was still within that active duty, my nephew has the military benefits and he has the military ID card. And I was like, yeah. you know, yeah, he is a military child. His life may be different than what we think of in the sense of a military child or military family, but it's still, he's still a military child. Right. There's so many different factors that can play into it. Um, you know, there's people that I've interviewed that, uh, their parents are divorced. And so, mm -hmm. uh, the parent who's serving is, you know, traveling the world, PCSing, deploying things like that, but they're living with their other parent who, you know, lived in the same house, you know, things like that. And so while they're a military child as well, they don't get those experiences mm -hmm. of moving, of PCSing with their parent and things like that. Um, while there's other ones that moved every single year of high school or, you know, from middle school to high school that they were in a new school every year. And, uh, you know, there's just so many different factors that can play into it. Um, you know, reserve versus active duty. And mm -hmm. I mean, you never really know. And then living in war times where, you know, we were in war uh, and we were in Afghanistan and in Iraq um, and places like that, you know, that's a different, you know, kind of, I grew up with that. And now we're going to have this next generation where, you know, your parents mo most likely not going to get deployed to Afghanistan, you know, things like that, um, where it's just so different and the generations make a difference too. It is. And I think that's one of those things where when you're around other military families, like they get it. So yeah. like I remember um, living in England, it was the Libya conflict. And so we used to have, um, you know, and it's just it's just, it's not far, you know, northern right. Africa and England. And we used to do like terrorist and bomb threats in schools. Mm -hmm. And then we used to. Um, whenever the school bus would go through the main gate, because I was the elementary school and I guess they were, it was separated from where the Lake and Heath High School was. So when we went through the main gate, the bomb dogs had to come on to sniff and the, the wow. MPs are looking with the mirrors under the bus. But for us, that was a normal thing. And when I talk to other people, they're like, that is insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it's not normal to others. Right. And I guess it's sort of, I guess, comparable to active shooting um, drills now that a right. lot of the schools have. But it was that was something that was normal for us or even um, living in Okinawa, like the conflict with, you know, the with North Korea. And we would sometimes every time, you know, the media would hype that up a little bit. We were like, well, what happens to the military families? Like, do we have to leave the island? And, you know, those would be discussions that the kids would have. And unfortunately, you know, during that time, it wasn't something that was really talked to the kids about. Like, mm -hmm. so then, you know, of course, then everything gets blown out of proportion and, you know, we start talking about things. But, um, it is. And then that fear when we are in times of conflict, like, will my parent be deployed? Are they right. going to be deployed to that area? Will they come back? And, um, you know, and so if like when my when my brother-in-law, I call him my brother-in-law, they weren't actually married, they were engaged. But my brother-in-law, when he left, it was. Um, yeah, it was a scary thing, but you try to not think about it. Or like I yeah. had a friend and like I said, her husband, and she used to tell me that she would keep every email that he sent because you just, you didn't know if he was going to come back. And um, it was, yeah. And I mean, luckily my, 
brother-in-law did come back if even just for a few weeks. But um, yeah, like I don't think non-military people realize that. And even if, like you said, when you're not living with the military parent, um, there's still that fear when we're in times of conflict that because you still love them. And even though you're not living with them, it's yeah. But other military kids will get that and, you know, can help you and help support you. So even if you haven't had like, you know, the same exact experience, because I mean, let's face it, unless you're siblings and even siblings sometimes, because I have um, a younger sister who's even just 15 months behind me, but we remember things totally different. We've had, Mm -hmm. you know, totally different experiences and things like that. But, you know, even military kids are so different. Like they live different lives. They, you know, living, you know, overseas versus only in America, that's one huge difference. Like, um, you know, exposure to different cultures and whatever it may be, but everyone has a different experience and a different story. You know, you're not going to find the same exact story. Um, even if you talk to every single military kid, there's going to be a slight difference in every story. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, but we're able to understand on a deeper level because we're like, okay, well, my parent experienced this and yours are experiencing this. And while it's two, two totally different situations, you know, we can relate to it and we can find, you know, something that, that connects those two stories together. That is so true. And that's one thing that I love. Like when I meet someone who's affiliated with the military, like you've got those similar stories and, um, but then too, they can be so different. So when I meet somebody who's affiliated with the military, like I get so excited (laughs) because I love like listening, you know, and just hearing and comparing and sharing and, um, like I just learned, I work in a school and I an elementary school and my assistant principal, it was funny. Um, she was wearing like, it was like hat day or something. And she was wearing a camouflage hat. And I was like, oh, was your husband in the military? And she's like, oh yeah, he was in the air force. And I was like, wait, I didn't know that. Like I have so many questions now. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird how many questions you get, you know, once that, once you find that out, there's so many questions, no matter like if it was mom, dad, you know, husband, wife, you know, brother, sister, whatever the case may be, you have so many questions after that. Yes. And I, I think part of the reason, like it's in, I know I'm like, they're, they probably think I'm just like the biggest weirdo or something. <laughs> <laughs> then I get so excited. I'm like, wait a second. No, yeah. like we've got something in common. We got, you know, something to talk about. And like I said, I just love learning and hearing people's experiences. So then like now, every time I passed her in the hall, I would like ask her some random question, like, how long was he in the Air Force for? When did he get out? Like, when did he, where was he stationed at? Were you, did you know him at the same time? Or I had a friend when my son, like I said, the transition in retirement was difficult for me. And then even moving to Chicago was a little difficult because, you know, I just didn't know a lot of people that had, we, it wasn't anything in common, you know? Right. And so um, once my kids started school, like I, for my, with my daughter, once she hit kindergarten, I volunteered for PTA and I met some amazing moms that, you know, we're still good friends with seven, eight years later. Um, And then my son in preschool, he, um, he was extremely shy. So like him and I were always just at the table and there was another girl and her mom at another table um, sitting next to us. And, um, she heard me speaking to my son in Japanese and she turned to me and she was like, oh, are you part Japanese? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I heard you. And I was like, oh, you know, 
you understand Japanese? And she's like, well, I moved around a lot. And then we started talking. And then her husband was actually in the Navy for 10 wow. years. And then her and I are great friends now. But that all started with that conversation and that similarity of something. And then we start talking about, yeah, like some of his experience and her experiences as a military spouse. And um, yeah, and then just realize that, oh, we have other things in common. And you know, it was just so much fun. And then, um, you know, and then talking about the differences in people's stories and sharing stories, you were talking about siblings. And yeah, like, so I said five, you know, there's five of us. I was fourth out of five. So um, when we moved to Okinawa that last time, it was just me and my younger sister, because the other three were adults and my brother joined the Air Force. And then my two oldest sisters were in college in the States. So they stayed and I think that um, we're all three years apart. So I think my experiences and my younger sister's experiences are very different. And since the, I think too, it depends on like how old you are. Cause when you're younger, I feel like sometimes those transitions are a little bit easier and then it gets yeah. harder as you become an adult. Um, and my dad retired when she was in high school still. So she was like, I think 10th grade between 10th and 11th grade for her. So her, like those experiences for her were quite different. And then, um, but I always want, like, I keep thinking, um, I would love to like talk to my other siblings to see what their, ex their experiences were like, because so my two oldest sisters, they graduated in England at Lake and Heath, of Lake and Heath High School. And then we moved to the States and then my brother graduated in Southern Illinois. So we were all different you know, a few years different and just hearing, yeah, I'm like, I want to talk to them, like just <laughs> get us all in a group, which can be difficult, but yeah. <laughs> get us all together and hear what their stories are. And like, when right. we talk about a specific event that, or, you know, something that happened in our family, like where we were at that time. Okay. Well, what were your thoughts on this? And how did you view that experience? Like, those are all things that like, I just come up with all these things. I feel like my brain is just there's so many questions in my head that I just want to hear. Okay, well, what? Are, and it's not to be nosy or gossipy or anything. Yeah. I don't feel. It's just like I'm truly interested and like curious as to, okay, like how are you feeling? And that a part of that is for, you know, my own learning and growing. So, but it's always fun to hear everybody's different experiences. And then, yes, with siblings, like, well, how is it different? And then why is it different? I have, I'm a soci, yeah. I've majored in sociology. So I always like, these are things <laughs> that come to mind. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's great. Like, you know, one of the biggest things in our family was when we got the phone call that my dad was hurt. And so like I was nine, my sister was eight. Uh, my mom was obviously the one who got the phone call. And, you know, my sister was all like, mom, are you okay? Like, you know, she come immediately just kind of ran to my mom. Um, and kind of like comforted her and, you know, trying to figure that out. And I was like, okay, what's next? Like, what do we, what do we need to do to keep going? Uh, kind mm. of mentality of like, okay, we need to, like, my mom's kind of not, uh, you know, she's not able to take care of some things right now. So like, how can I step in to take care of right. that? So like, uh, you know, taking care of my little sister, things like that. Um, anything that needed to be done. Like I made the phone call to our friends saying, Hey, you need to come over right now. So oh boy, like, and you're you know, only nine years old. I was nine years oh old. <laughs> well, so, too, you're the oldest. So I, think I am the oldest. Yeah. So, yeah, that, so it's oh gosh. Definitely older sibling versus younger sibling, too. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that things go out and you know, middle child, things like that. 
um, it makes a huge difference to, you know, just the personalities that you get in mm-hmm. um, the order of siblings, huge difference too. Yes. Well, I'm sure your mother, I mean, your mom must have been incredibly proud of you, like <laughs> as a mom, <laughs> I'll go mom mode for just a minute. I'm sure both of your parents were just extremely proud of how you handled that situation. Um, yeah, I'm a middle child, so I feel like I definitely have that middle child syndrome. Yeah. And you can see in all five of our kids, because um, it's me and my brother who are the middle children, and then my two oldest sisters, and then my little sister. And you can definitely see how that is. Like, you know, and I mean, thank God we, we, it was, it was interesting. So like when things would happen in our family, definitely that dynamic between all of the kids, like you can see the two oldest, you know, taking charge or when Mm -hmm. my dad had to go TDY in the Air Force, we called it TDY. um, And he would be gone for two or three weeks. And you can definitely see how like my two oldest sisters would step up and take care of things. And um, because then it was just my mom. And when we were over, when we were in England, especially, um, it would be difficult for my mom because as my dad got higher in rank, he um, was gone a little bit more often. And um, so it was a little harder for my mom. You know, she is in a different country. She's, it was, you know, culturally different. She was raised in Japan. And so it was still difficult. And um, my two, I I just, I, yes, I remember my two oldest sisters definitely like stepping up and helping take care of us. And they would get on our case a lot, you know, nagging yeah. us like a parent would, which is annoying <laughs> at the time. <laughs> my but, sister always said it was annoying too. She's yes. like, quit being a mom. And I'm like, I'm, <laughs> <Exactly>. trying <here." laughs> I'm like, I, I kind of like, you know, that's kind of my role as an older sibling as well. Like, you know, to be uh, another parent, I guess, in a sense, I don't know. <laughs> it's just the way it well, is. Thank God in some situations you did, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy just, you know, I mean, the different experiences from, you know, person to person, sibling to sibling, you know, you share the same blood, but you don't share the same experiences all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Or even like the same, I guess, view or opinions and right. feelings and emotions. It's all, everybody's different, even though you're going through similar things. Yeah, for sure. So you started your own podcast. So yes, I am starting my own. It's going to launch the first Monday in April, which I think is April 4th. And I'm thinking every two weeks I will launch an episode, publish an episode. It's called Mixed Stand Alliance. Um, Mixed because we'll be talking about being mixed race um, because I myself am biracial. Like I said, I'm um, half Okinawan or Japanese. Um, and then French and Irish. And then um, also dandelions, because dandelions is considered the flower of the military child. Um, and when I thought about it, this was, you know, last year with this pandemic, I think a lot of people were starting podcasts during the pandemic, sitting at right. home. And then, um, I mean, throw middle, being middle-aged in there. My kids are 10 and, 10 and 12. So, you know, hanging out with mom isn't as much fun as when they were like four or five years old. <laughs> So I'm just sitting there and, you know, my husband's watching his sports and I was like, I have nothing to do but like clean or something (laughs) or I'm reading my books and I've already read through this, you know, entire Outlander series in a few months. So I was like, hmm. So as I said, I'm a sociology major. I have a bachelor's and master's in sociology. So I started looking up research and I started looking up research on being mixed race. And then I started looking up research on the military families and the military child. And 
you know, there's just, there's not a lot. There's more for being mixed race. There's, I feel like maybe now they're slowly looking into being that military child um, because it's always been about the service member, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's more coming out about the military spouse, um, which I think is great. And, but there's just not a lot with the military child. And so then when I start, somebody suggested I start listening to podcasts. So, you know, I'm searching for podcasts about both of those topics. And um, I found your podcast and you've continued it. And, and it's, and I love listening to it. I found a couple, like maybe two others that are good. Um, so then I was like, oh, well, let me see, you know, is there anything about the two together? And um, because I personally feel like my experience as a biracial individual within that military community and outside of the military community were very different. So you know, I got curious again, like are other people's, like what are other people's experiences? I'd love to hear their thoughts. And um, I also did a storytelling event where I wrote a short story about um, and then presented it and um, about that. And I was like, you know, I, there's nothing. Oh, I found one, I found a dissertation um, about being mixed race and in the military. And in the military, the service members and military individuals, they're so much more likely to enter into interracial relationships mm-hmm. but than, you know, the non-military, but yet there's nothing out there that researches it and talks about it and all the other aspects that go with that and which I found odd. So I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to start my own podcast. I'm going to, I want to talk to other people and, you know, just see what other people, their experiences were, what are their stories? What do they think? And, you know, that'll help me do something that I want to like, I like doing like meeting new people, talking to people, and then also just learning and hopefully help other people learn about what it's like to be mixed race, what it's like to grow up in the military, and then what it's like to have both together. So like, you know, it's mixed dandelions, being mixed military and moving on. And those are all the things that I'm hoping to chat about with people and I did record a few episodes, so I'm excited to publish those soon. And I can't wait to like start talking to other people and see what their stories are. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, like we've said, you know, being military is kind of a huge, a huge change, a huge, you know, portion of your life. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. adding on the mixed racial on top of that, you know, it's not, it's not the same kind of, you know, lifestyle as if you're not. And I mean, you just have so many different experiences, so many different, um, you know, you're more culture um, and things like that. And it's just a completely different experience that, you know, is not researched about. And like you were saying, the spouses are kind of starting to get more research out now too, which is great. Um, And I mean, I started this a year ago. Um, April 1st will be one year since I launched my first episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So yeah, the, there's nothing out on the child, you know, in general, there's nothing out on the child. And like, you know, we have month of the military child, right? You know, April's month of the military child, you know, we have our own month, but there's like no research on, you know, the military children and things like that. And the psychology behind it uh, is just, you know, military children go through so many struggles mm-hmm. that you, you would think that there'd be more research on it. 
Well, and then, like I said, like your podcast brings out the differences in what a military child in a military family is. Right. And then um, just looking at the mental health aspect, just looking at, yes, like adjusting to change the values and the ethics that you learn while growing up in the military. And then um, when you get out, because, um, you know, one of the things I looked at in grad school, I remember I did a research paper on like the institutionalization of a military service member. When you're in this military lifestyle for 20, 25, 30 years, the military is an institution. And then all of a sudden, bam, you get out and you're a civilian. Like how there's the military spouse and the military child, they've also lived within that institution. And so when they get out, like people don't look at, haven't been looking at that. And, um, or even in the military, yes, that like when we have to say goodbye to our service member because they're leaving for 12, 14 months or they're in and out, you know, two, three weeks home, two, three weeks gone, you know, for a whole year doing that kind of stuff. Like what kind of stress does that put on the military spouse and the children that that spouse is now taking care of? And those are all very important things in my opinion. And yeah, um, yeah it's not looked at. And um I think that maybe hopefully just talking about it a little bit more will get people more interested in that. And um, it's just, yeah, hopefully I do see a little bit, you know, baby steps are being taken. So that's good. Yeah. But um, I remember when I was growing up, it was all about the service member and, you know, it was your civilian, you know, you're not the one and, you know, you're living this life because the service member, which is definitely true and definitely you know, give all respect to that. But at the same time, like the families are still going through all of this. And I just felt like, um, you know, maybe, yeah, we need to, that needs to be looked at a little bit more. So, and hopefully with the military families, they are, you know, in general, I think um, they're open more to, you know, a lot of families, like I said, we moved around. So we're open to those new cultures and those new languages. So I think um, we can appreciate that a little bit. And so with being mixed race and um, that aspect of my podcast, like those are things I'm hoping to look at too. Like how, like we were lucky that we were, I'm half Japanese and we were able to move and live in Japan for a short time to meet my parents' family or to meet my mother's family and to spend time with them. And, you know, now with social media, it's easier to keep in touch. So, um, but those are all things that hopefully I'll be able to discuss and people can share story, their own personal individual stories about. So. Yeah. And it's definitely a different lifestyle, you know, that you got to live in Okinawa with your mom's side of the family. Cause mm-hmm. you know, most people don't even get to live with their grandparents, no matter mixed race or not, um, you know, live in an area where they're close to relatives and things like that, right. because you're constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, one thing that is very special about your story as well. Um, and being able to be there for those, you know, holidays and things like that and experience the culture that, you know, your mom grew up in and things like that as well. Yes. And um, it can, yes, it can be difficult because I have like some friends, yeah, like that they, after getting out of the military, they haven't seen their extended family in years, like Mm -hmm. since getting out of the military. 
And um, like now I want to move, you know, I've been in the Chicago area for since 1998. Like I've been ready to move for the past like six, seven, eight years. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to move. None of my family are here and we do travel to go see them. You know, we've been lucky and blessed enough to be able to do that. And not everybody is. So I'm like, I want to move somewhere closer to my family now so that we can be closer to them and see them. And you know, just, and then to like, just have that change. Cause I was so used to having that, you know, moving every so often. Yeah. And um, I'm just, I'm ready to move and do something new and try something new now. Yeah. And it's uh, different, you know, growing up in a military family and then being, you know, in a civilian family and raising a civilian family, because you're so used to moving mm-hmm. and uh, traveling to different places and seeing different things. And then you're like, okay, well, where, you know, we planted roots and now we're here. And then you're like, okay, well, I just want to move. Like we've lived here. Uh, we're currently living in Florida and my dad retired and we moved here and we've been living here for eight years. I think we moved here in 2014 and like it, you get antsy in one place. Mm-hmm. Like I yes. love Florida, but there's like, there's points where I'm like, okay, I need to leave this state. Like mm-hmm. I need to get out of this state. And, you know, we go to Disney all the time and that's great. And we love going to Disney and that's like our escape. But there's only so many times you can just go to Disney without you know, <laughs> leaving the state. And, um, you know, sometimes you just need to get out of get out of where you're living and whether that's just, you know, your your city or county and going somewhere different in the state like Disney for us. But there's something else about going to a different a different um, state. And so like we in the past couple of years, we've been back to Texas. We went to DC last year. And so just like a night or two in another state makes a huge difference too. It, it's funny you say that because my daughter who is 12, almost 13, she, um, like I said, we go visit my family. So I have my sisters in Florida and um, by Patrick Air Force Base. And then yeah. I have another sister who works with APHIS. And so they're in Texas. And then um, like my brother is in Southern Illinois. And so we always will just like go take quick trips to go see them. And my daughter is like, can we do something different this year? Like, and we've <laughs> gone, like we've done different things before. So like we've gone to, but we usually go to Florida because, you know, Florida is the vacation spot. But like we right. did go to Okinawa twice. Like we were very lucky to be able to take large family vacations with, you know, my siblings and my parents back to Okinawa. But she's like, let's do something different. Cause I was like, oh, we're gonna go visit Bachan Jichan or Titi Karen or something. And um, she's like, can we go to like do a road trip and go to Ohio or something? <laughs> I was like, you wanna go to Ohio? <laughs> There's not much in Ohio. I love Ohio. I I mean, I lived there for nine years, but um, I have this argument with my boyfriend too. And it's like, there's nothing in Ohio. It's like, yes, there is. (laughs) He's like, there's nine people who live in Ohio. I'm like, there are way more than nine people. He sounds like my husband. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, sometimes, you know, you just want to go to those places where there's nothing like, you know, well, because you want that change, right? Like you said, like something new, a new scenery, even if just for a little bit. Yeah. So like when she was telling like we do have family in Cincinnati but we're thinking I was like well what about what if we did like a road trip and we'll stop in and we'll do a road trip to like Niagara Falls and then maybe Vermont because I have an aunt in Vermont and she was like oh yeah let's do that and we'll stop here and I was like yeah you know what let me 
let me figure it out. Like, you know, we've got a week and, you know, off. My husband has a week off in the summer. Let me figure out like mileage and we'll see if we can do that. And because, yeah, we haven't taken them because she was just like, I'm getting bored with Texas. I'm getting bored with Florida. I'm getting bored with Southern Illinois. She was yeah. like, let's go to a different state. <laughs> like, like she's so like, and it's fun. Like, I love that I've been able to like instill this like love for travel in her. And yeah. um but it's it's different. My husband, like he was born and raised in Chicago. He's only been away from Chicago for three years. And that's when we met in Arizona. So him and I, like our our childhood and lifestyles were very, very different. And so sometimes, yeah, like it can clash a little bit. So in things like, um, you know, with school and what schools the kids go to school in and you know, it's certain things that we teach our kids. And like, I've got that strong military. No, it's got, don't walk on the grass and right. make sure your hat is off indoors and you know, little things like that. And um, whereas he's just like, why can't they walk in the grass? I was like, <laughs> just not supposed to walk in the grass. <laughs> like, like, that's what we do on base. And then, you know, when they, I tell them, oh yeah, at five o'clock on the military bases, the, you know, they play the national anthem. So you had to stop what if you're swinging on the swings. You had to stop and stand up and get you were up driving like, your car. You had to stop yep. and get out of the car. Yeah. Like, are you serious? I was like, or the movie theater. Like, I remember the first time I went to the movies off base, I stood up and my friend was like looking at me like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, Don't they play the national anthem before the movie? They're like, who does that? I was like, on the military base, they do that. So <laughs> like those are all like, or now me wanting to move to Japan. <laughs> and my husband's like, my husband's been hearing it for 20 some odd years. <laughs> I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get you to do it. <laughs> yeah. It might take another days. 20, but one day it's happening. I know. We'll be like 75 years old <laughs> get there <laughs> yeah there's so many different things and it's I mean it all falls back to the military life and that travel that that uh wanderlust feeling of just wanting to go places and explore mm -hmm. and you know you immerse yourself into the culture wherever you are and so that's like the best the best part of it for sure Yes, definitely. And I think that's one thing with my, that is when my husband, even though we grew up different, he, he does like to like learn and experience new cultures. Like he's, he's all about the, you know, when in Rome kind yes. of, you know, statement. And so, you know, when we, I got him finally to Okinawa a few years ago on vacation and he was like, nope, I don't want McDonald's. I don't want, <laughs> there's like a red lobster. He's like, why would we eat at red lobster? I want pure authentic Japanese Okinawan food yeah. and now he we come back and he's like I don't know I've had Japanese ramen I've had Okinawan soba so I've had the real stuff uh, all these other little restaurants in the U.S. like I don't know it's <laughs> funny like, that no, you say not. that too because okay so we went to Scotland on a vacation oh wow um my parents went a year before uh and then took the whole family the following year um, and so while they were over there the first time they, they ate at McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and so my sister, all she wanted to do when we went was eat at McDonald's because it's so different over there. It's very different. And, um, my boyfriend is currently stationed in Okinawa right now. And so oh, like, he wow. tells me, um, all the different, like, you know, things of, you know, McDonald's and he's like, it's so much better over here. And I was like, it honey, is. it's better in every place except mm -hmm. the U.S. Like that's, that's just how it goes. Like, you know, yep. 
just those little things that you would never think about too. Exactly. So you should eat when you're in a different country, like you should, I definitely think you should try a McDonald's when you're in another country (laughs) just to experience how different it is. And um, I mean, even the ketchup packet is different. (laughs) I was so amazed because when we went over to Scotland, I am a huge fan of McDonald's barbecue sauce and they had like the dispenser where you could go and get Mm -hmm. your little cup and fill it with barbecue sauce. You have to pay like 25 cents if you want extra barbecue sauce in the States and you could just get as much as you wanted. So I was like in heaven, like keep it coming, like kind of mentality with that. Yep. And I mean, there's McDonald's everywhere. Like McDonald's is sort of taken over. Right. But even like I said, my husband and I went to Europe and we did two weeks in Europe, like going, we did England, Germany, Amsterdam, Paris, and um, everywhere we went, we ate at a McDonald's at least once. So I was like, no, we got to eat at McDonald's at least in every place because it's different. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds so weird to say it, but it's so true. Yes, at least once you need to eat at a McDonald's because like I said, even the ketchup <laughs> tastes different. The customer service is different, like yes. everything. It's just fun to like see how they like say certain things. So like on that movie Pulp Fiction, I don't know. He was like, oh, well, they say, um, what is it? Something Royale, Burger Royale or something. I can't remember what it was because they um, they you know, the quarter pounder is whatever. And I was like, oh, let's go to Amsterdam when we were in Amsterdam. I was like, yeah. let's see if that's really what it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> we were in Amsterdam, but I was like, I think that's what it was. And we we're like, oh, see, that's so cool. Like, yeah, got to eat. I mean, yes, you want to immerse yourself in that local food. So definitely like hit up those little lunch, you know, food stands that you see on the side of the roads, but also hit up like some of those American places just to see the difference. Yeah. Uh, I'm a marketing minor. And so we talk a lot about, um, there was a chapter and we talked a lot about the McDonald's and the different culture and culturization in that. And it's, it's a great example because Mm -hmm. the different cultures affecting one place. And then, you know, just, I could go on and on with marketing about it, but it's just crazy (laughs) and like insane about how it all works together and how, you know, in India, I believe it was, um, they don't eat beef. So they had to make a chicken burger oh, instead. Interesting. Um, so yeah, just those little interesting things that you wouldn't think about because we're so accustomed to one version. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, that is kind of, I never knew that. I never thought <laughs> of that, I guess. <laughs> I know. It's so weird to just think about those little uh, minute changes that might have to take place as well. See, and you could like go to India. Somebody might go, you know, visit India and then be like, I'm never going to eat the McDonald's there because I'm in India. But then you wouldn't even know that. And then you come back to the States and you learn that and you're like, wait, I didn't eat at McDonald's. So (laughs) (laughs) I wish I ate McDonald's. Yeah, I know. It's just so crazy. The differences that you learn just, you know, traveling around. Well, that's what's funny, too, like with the military and when you're living overseas. And so the military base only has specific restaurants like in the food courts of the bx or the px um depending on the branch but um 
So then we would get so excited when like, I remember, so there was always Burger King. Burger King was the big thing on base. That is um, pretty much a staple overseas. anywhere you go. Yes. So it wasn't McDonald's. It was Burger King. And then um, I remember in Okinawa too, like Anthony's Pizza was a big thing. That was your pizza, basically your only pizza spot. So then in Okinawa on Kadena Air Base, um, I think it was a Popeye's had opened up. And so that was like the biggest thing when the Popeyes opened up because Popeyes is not normally on military bases. So once that Popeyes opened up, like everybody just wanted to have pop, whether you liked Popeyes chicken or not, like (laughs) it was all about just getting that. So whenever that new restaurant opened, it was super exciting, especially when you're overseas or we went to um, Yokota Air Base, I think, on the main island of Japan for um, basketball and cheerleading competition, Far East competition. And they had um, Taco Bell up there. So everybody was super excited about Taco Bell. And I was like, I've never eaten at Taco Bell. And then when we moved <laughs> back to the States, I, I was like, I got to try Taco Bell. Everybody's talking about Taco Bell. And I was like, Taco Bell, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old and never had Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I go and I was just like, wow, <laughs> this is different than what I thought it'd be. It's, I don't need to go back. Yeah, I'm not a big Taco Bell person. I yeah. I will say I will go for their little cinnamon twists, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, everybody hyped this up. And I remember when I came back to the States and I was like, no, we got to eat Taco Bell. I got to try. And they're like, Jen, that is the weirdest like thing to eat. Like, why would you come? Like, you're not missing out on much, I promise. Right. And I was like, (laughs) because, like, we didn't have Taco Bells. And now everybody's talking about it. And I want to try it. Or, like, Subway, the Subway sandwiches. And so, yeah, it's when you're, you should still try Americanized food. (laughs) Yeah, it's so different in other countries. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and you know, differences of living everywhere. Um, And best of luck to you with your podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. This was so much fun chatting with you. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.